Hey everyone, welcome back to the Woofin' Possum podcast with me, Greg, your host, and this is episode 37. And we are back to having an amazing guest join us for a chat, and this guest is Debbie, who is the lady behind an organisation called Kids Around Dogs. A wonderful educational organisation that's built a network of trained professionals so that they can help kids overcome potential phobias and fears of dogs or help manage interactions between kids and dogs to make them more safe and more harmonious. Um, I absolutely love this. It's an area I'm absolutely fascinated about. So without any further ado, let's dive into my chat with Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Hello. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Wuffin Possum podcast. I'm uh, I'm really excited about this because I'm not going to lie. It's a topic I know very little about. Um, and so I am kind of really keen to learn more. So I think this should be should be good. Um, obviously, like all good podcasts with a guest, I need you to introduce yourself, please, and kind of let the world know who you are. Of course. So first of all, again, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Debbie Lacken from Kids Around Dogs. We are an association of professionals. So for prof- by professional, I mean um, dog professionals, such as trainers, behaviorists, groomers. Um, but we also uh, welcome teachers, uh, teaching assistants, um, and anyone who works with children. Um, we specialize in working, like I said, with children and dogs to make sure that they can live safely and happily together. And we also work with children who are scared of dogs. And uh, I've created a successful protocol to overcome the fear of dogs in kids um, so that we can help them to live, you know, in a world with dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely, it's one of those things where I, I, I was very fortunate to, to kind of always have dogs in my life. So I've always grown up with them and I've never, ever had to kind of experience what it must be like to to be you know smaller and, and you know be a child age and be scared of dogs and I know it can be very common so yeah, um, yeah. Do you, would you mind telling me just kind of how did kids around dogs come about kind of what's the what's the history where did it come from so um, I am a dog behaviorist and trainer and uh, um, I have a child uh, Molly she's now 10 when she was younger and started to invite her friends over I've started noticing how a lot of children were either overconfident around dogs, like putting their, their face to the face of the dog, you know, things like this, uh, wanting to climb on the dog. Oh, don't do that, little one. <laughs> things like, um, you know, that you, wouldn't, uh, that you wouldn't think of doing, but children obviously go without any filter. I think um, I was that child. I must say, I think, I, I think that was probably, me when I was a kid. So apologies in advance. Um, and then you had the children that were terrified of dogs. So they would come over for a play, knowing that we have dogs. And oh my gosh, like they would like try to climb the stairs or run away, screaming, climbing on their parents over here. So um, you would really see the two like end of, of, of the, the situations there. So I thought something's got to be done because both of cases, both either overconfident children or scared of dogs, would put them in some kind of danger as well because even when a child was uh, screaming and running away, the dog would be very interested and try to chase the kid. So not, you know, not very, not very nice. Um, and so something's got to be done. And I looked around and I couldn't find anything um, in the UK that could help with this 
uh, situation. They could help families. They could help other professionals to have uh, something to follow that was appropriate. And so um, I decided, okay, you know, something's got to be done and I shall be the one to do it. Obviously, it didn't happen. Like one day I woke up, oh, that's what I'm going to do today. Best things in life never do. It took a few years of, uh, of planning, of thinking, of researching and that. And, uh, and then in uh, 2020, um, we started, we officially started CAD. Oh wow! So so you you effectively only a, a couple of years old then? Yeah, it's, it's a year and a little bit <laughs> old. So we're still in our infancy, but it's, it's clearly needed because the uh, the followers, the the uh, um, approved professionals, and um, parents in general, or you know people with dogs, um, or even without in schools, they've been interested, they've been in contact and stuff. So it was clearly yeah. needed. It, I must I must admit, kind of, you know, following you on social media, looking at the website, reading all the things, that, you know, that, that's out there that you guys do. Obviously, all these things I will link to in the show notes. But, like, you certainly wouldn't get that impression. I must admit, you know, the the, the quality of the information that's out there, the professionalism of the organization. Yeah, I definitely didn't think you were you were that young in that sense. So, uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely kind of, sounds weird, but kind of that right image, because it is, it's, it's, for all it's, dare I say, it's that topic that, um what's the word i'm looking for it's that kind of being probably serious from probably a little too serious you know it, it can be it can be those scenarios that can go wrong you know kids and dogs so Indeed, absolutely having an organization that is very much focused on trying to prevent that and trying to educate and 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 i think you mentioned it already that kind of spanning away from the trainer behaviorist kind of world as well and actually taking it to other professionals who will interact with kids and dogs or mm-hmm. interact more with kids and can help support the education that's that's yeah, massive yeah. that's really yeah that definitely kind of it just makes sense and it, it, it's crazy yeah. to think it wasn't really there the idea was that i've noticed by going to schools you know visiting children visiting schools talking also to to school staff and headmaster and mistresses and stuff unfortunately schools they don't have much money right yes. so um they're limited on what uh, on what they can spend their money on and especially now with covid there have been you know there haven't been any like events where they could maybe gather some money like parents teachers associations have been very quiet in in my own daughter's school normally i'm part of the uh, of the parents teacher association we haven't been able to raise anything to do any events so really money is is uh, it's really not much at, at present or ever before anyway. And um, so they can't exactly pay someone to come and do lessons with, you know, apart with the, with the kids. Also, they don't have time, right? They have those set lessons and it's quite strict as to what they can, they have to do. Um, and so it's all right. We need then teachers on board to know how to, uh, to teach children about dogs so um, that they can use those little times that they have. Because sometimes there are those five minutes that you go, right, I can't squeeze in a proper lesson, um, but you, I can't send you home yet. <laughs> so what can we do? And sometimes they have a, maybe a, a, a five minutes game and things like this. So I told, why don't we make it a kids around dog game so that they can do something where uh, children are learning about dogs while still being in class. And obviously, I can't just show up, you know, the last five minutes of the day. So if teachers know what to do, 
and have maybe little games, little uh, um, photos to show and things like this, then they can um, they can use it. They can use it in that little time. Um, so by um, allowing teachers to be part of CAD and to learn about dogs as well as how to um, how to explain some things about dogs to children, and then we can solve that problem in that respect. Yeah, like you say, it just makes so much sense. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I hope yeah, you don't it mind. does because you made sense in my head. <laughs> I'm I, glad I, it, doesn't, it doesn't only make sense to me. You, you did kind of mention it, Debbie, and I'm sure the listeners, and I hope you don't mind me just, just referencing your accent, but you mentioned obviously in the, in the UK, obviously it wasn't kind of here. So um, kind of from your background and... I assume, did you come from a world where that was a thing? Was there more education kind of from, no. from or was it really <laughs> yeah, so, I'm Swiss Italian. So wow. I'm from the south of Switzerland, which is the Italian part. And uh, uh, mind you, I've lived in the UK in, um, in February. It's going to be, uh, oh gosh, 18 years, I think. 18, 18, 18. I, I love that you Plus haven't 10. lost that accent as a result of 18 years. <laughs> I, think, yeah, that's I don't think I'll ever will. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it's been a long time, I've lived here a long time, and uh, I didn't grow up with dogs because my parents didn't allow us to have dogs, um, so I only admired them. <laughs> Every time I met, I had a friend who had dogs, I really wanted them to be like my best friends, so I could go to their house and play. <laughs> my uncle had dogs, but they were like living in other countries and stuff, so I didn't grow up with dogs myself, um, but when I would uh, when we did, when I finally had my first uh, my first dog, um, my husband and I moved to Switzerland for three years um, and uh, from England. And there I is when we had our first uh, dog, Pixel. And so we went to um, dog training classes there. And it was very, um, very much the idea of still punishing the dog and okay. uh, you know yeah. if he was in the house making him smell the weed and that kind of things and never well with me and my husband as well um so yeah so they're, they're still they're, they're still a bit old um and still today when I try to kind of find out a bit more about you know the Swiss ways of, of doing things things are changing are changing there as well for the best um but yeah there are still some um old ideas unfortunately so the, all my, my knowledge comes from, from here, from uh, the UK. Um, I'm with the Institute of Modern uh, Dog Trainers. Um, so Steve Mann taught me a lot of <laughs> what I know. As, as he's done so many of us, myself included. Uh, indeed. <laughs> it's, um, I just I, I kind of just want to pick up on the education bit, because as you were talking there, um, I, I'm sure I've referenced this before on the podcast, my parents actually um, live in Turkey um, now. Oh. And they're, they're involved in a, an animal charity over there, which has mm-hmm. got a huge, huge emphasis on educating children around dogs mm-hmm. because nature of culture and history kind of it's there is a lot of fear. There's a lot of um, I dare go as far as saying a lot of scaremongering about kind of mm-hmm. the dogs, street dogs, farm dogs, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that kind of program of education getting into schools and kind of just almost resetting kind of what people think and, and trying to build that uh, that education up is so important. And yeah. I, 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 as again, I, I don't have children, but I do like yourself as a, as a professional trainer, I work with families who have kids, um, whether it's young dogs, old dogs, little dogs, big dogs, and the interaction styles between kids and dogs is 
it's fascinating. It can also be quite worrying, to, yeah. particularly to, to I, I say, to the untrained stroke trained eye. You know, I, I, I've been into households where I've kind of just sat and observed and inside I'm kind of, you know, kind of gritting my teeth a little bit where mm-hmm. family-wise, the dynamic, they love it. And, it, and it's very hands-on or it might be very playful and there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of high energy. There's a lot of moving around. There's a lot of, like you say, kind of, hands and faces you're pulling climbing over that kind of stuff and it's a i i listen to the podcast no i get fascinated watching people and watching kind of just how we are as a society and it is really interesting when you look at those scenarios where those dogs obviously ultimately might you know feel uncomfortable and do start to to respond to the environment or to those around them as a result of the interactions so when it when it comes to that education, is there anything without kind of giving away all the secrets? But is there is there anything that you can share in terms of what sort of things it your education program focuses on? So well, when when talking to the parents, um, we always need to remember that they you know they're not professionals. They they might have been uh, brought up or they might have just kind of seen uh, photos. The the idea was the photos, the cute photos with kids and dogs. Uh, where maybe the um, the child is hugging the dog, for example, or too tight and things like this. And the, the idea is, oh, look how cute that is. And so as a, as a parent and um, of, uh, most of the time also new dog owner, they think that that is what life with a dog is like. You hug the dog, you uh, stare at the dog, you, you keep going sleep in the, in the bed uh, of the dog, you know, things like this. Um, and uh, so we need to, first of all, we need to make sure that they, they we don't judge, you know, um, uh, they don't know what they don't know effectively. So one thing that I like to, to uh, explain to new parents and the children as well is very basic body language, dog body language, but very, very, very basic things. Like if the dog turns his head away, for example, it might not wish to have an interaction if he moves away as well, make sure you don't follow, you don't go and chase the dog, let him go. He just, you know, he might want to take a break from the situation. So very easy, easy uh, body language um, uh, signals. Um, and then we work on safety. It's so, so important. For instance, never ever leave the children unsupervised with the dogs. And I think everyone has heard this one, you know, everyone. And yet, and yet it happens so yeah. often, even when I'm there, even when I'm like visiting a client, they go, oh, I want to show you something. And then they want me to follow and they would have left the child attended with the dog. And so I called the dog with me because <laughs> the child is not mine. So I'm not going to go just pick him up. <laughs> so I told them, <laughs> I called the dog with me. So at least one of them follows. <laughs> Um, These are the but even there, you know, it, it's, it's a second, isn't it? Oh, I'm going yeah. to put the kettle on. Oh, I'm just going to open the door. Or oh, I'm a little, little wee-wee. <laughs> so and you think I'd be a minute, but even that minute is enough to for problems to happen. And no matter how many times we hear this one, I always say, please, please, please do not leave kids unattended with dogs. It's not only for the safety of your child, but also for the safety of your dog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So um and uh, and obviously it depends also on the on the family situation, what exactly we're there for and things like this. But I really like to involve the children 
in, uh, in exercises, in the training, uh, in the appropriate way of playing with the dogs. So I believe that children really need to, to be in it. <laughs> they really need to be completely involved with the life of the dogs. Yeah, so that's something I always stressed about as well. I, I absolutely love that. It's um, again, it's it, it's that thing where, of of course, kids will want to interact with a dog. They want to play. They yeah. want to do stuff. And I think if you could, like you say, you if you could channel that into the right type of games, which mm-hmm. almost like you say, acts as training simultaneously. Yeah. It hopefully just helps kind of set the boundaries and set the rules a little bit differently than rather than it being chasers around the house or pylons or or kind of the usual things that kind of you know kind of kids will probably end up doing with 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 the dogs one thing that i I actually um before i started cad i could see as a bit of a problem because the idea i kept seeing was oh make sure the child doesn't touch the dog doesn't do that with the dog doesn't 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 so there were so many things that the child could not do yeah um But as we all know, right, okay, I know I can't do this, but what can I do then? You can't expect a kid to just sit back and go, that's fine, I'm not moving. I'm just going to be sitting here looking pretty. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. So you've got to do them to to give them something to do, but at least it's something positive, it's something awfully calming. And even if it is exciting, but it's appropriate and it's it's good for both of them, for both dogs and, and, and kids. Definitely. So um, you don't have to answer this question because it might be slightly controversial, Debbie, but how, how do you find kind of the engagement from, from, and I am thinking of more that client work. So, you know, you've gone to someone's house, you know, mm-hmm. kids and dogs scenario set up because I'm very aware. It, I, I often liken dog training to like parenting advice. It can be very emotive and there can be a lot of things mm-hmm. where people have, done things for a long time or been involved in families where it was done with them and there was no negative kind of consequences to it therefore they don't see any harm in doing it how a, do you experience that and b how easy is it to kind of navigate those scenarios as a professional when you're working with a family where there may be one or two little niggles or even they're just trying to do it right but your advice and your guidance and the protocols kind of contradict their beliefs or, or their experiences so yeah, luckily I don't always go to families where an accident has already happened, you know, thank God for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> In fact, very often I, you know, I go before anything. Brilliant. Happens. They're the type of people uh, we're yeah, Exactly. Um, so very often, as you say, you know, you go in and you see some things that make you go, oh my goodness. Um, but because nothing has happened, in a way, it can be um seen as over-exaggerating or things like this because, oh, look, they get along so well. So um, I always say, you know, better safe than sorry. So I do uh, present some, maybe some cases as well, some past cases I worked with, I give them examples. And I am a mom myself. So I know that if someone tries to criticize my kids, they're like, I'll tell you, (laughs) you should never speak to me again. So I don't, the last thing I want to do is criticizing anyone's parenting. Again, I really do believe that you you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So by me being there, I always assume the parents do realize that they need to know more or that they need to know the right way. So just kindly presenting maybe some photos, again, some, some, some cases. I'm going to give them an example of a client I worked with before. 
um, or maybe of an accident that has happened and was in the papers, you know, things like this. And it's not to scare them, but it's just to make them aware that even though their dog is adorable and he's super cute and, you know, look how much he's enduring, it doesn't mean he's going to endure it forever. And yeah. it doesn't mean that that is fair as well for the dog to endure so much, you know, so much stress. I, I, I always joke that my, uh, obviously my, I, my wife loves me dearly as I do her, but I'm still <laughs> fairly sure there's times that, you know, there's things I do that probably just push her to the edge a, a couple of times a day or a week or even a month. So uh, it, it kind of, uh, often trainers get a little bit of uh, a flack for humanizing situations quite a lot, but I think in certain circumstances it, it can really work because it, they are emotional creatures exactly like we are. Um, so yeah. we've all got our tolerances. We've all got our, you know, our kind of levels of um, kind of coping. So it, it is, I think there is times, like you say, where kind of bring it to life a little bit really, uh, really makes a big difference. Yeah. And also when, because we are professionals, very often we go, we do think, oh, we are humanizing the situation. We are humanizing the dog too much. But, and as professionals, as, as you know, I've been, studied so much and reading the thousands of books that we read and the webinars and all that we know dogs so we know that you know they are not humans and things like this but when we go to a client that maybe has read one book just because or maybe has watched that one video on youtube so it they don't know dogs the way we do so it's much easier and much better to humanize the dogs with our client yeah. than it is to try and make them the next trainer or the next behaviorist because it's not going to happen some some might be some might yeah. i had actually i had a couple of clients who are now behaviorists themselves and oh, brilliant wow. i love the fact that they love dog, their dog so much as to wanting to brilliant but generally with all the clients i have only two or all the others it's not it's not big on um, so generally you have the people that just have their dog and they love them so much and want to, to do right by the dog and the family, but they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna suddenly become dogs expert. So just humanize the situation. It doesn't matter, does it? It's no, actually I, I, much better to to educate than the families. I, I, I I'm a hundred percent with you, Debbie. I think yeah, I, I, yeah, we, we professionally I totally understand why, but like you say, when you when you're interacting with people and you're trying to bring it to life for them um it can there's so many parallels you can draw i think like you said yeah. it does just it helps that message line it helps people understand a little bit we are um i, I always kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek joke my clients that i am massively risk averse because being in the world that we are we do see the the more extreme scenarios we see the more extreme cases we see you know the things that naturally we don't want to happen or we, yeah. we don't want to experience so a lot of our advice and guidance is kind of rooted in that like you say, as you said, better safe than sorry type advice, um, which I know for a lot of people can be really difficult, especially if there isn't a problem right now. Mm -hmm. Planning for something that hasn't happened for a lot of people can be really, really difficult. So it's always very, very kind of, um, you've got to be quite tactile in how you do it and how you bring that oh, to indeed, life with yeah. people to, yeah. to, to really make that make that a thing. Because, and, and I, th I suppose that's the thing for listeners, really. It's that, ability if, if you are working with those professionals to actually kind of bear that in mind because it, it's so easy when you get a professional in and they come around I, I often use like service people you know someone who might come around to, to look at your boiler they are 
it might be working now, but they are looking for the potential issues. They're looking for the faults. They're looking for the things that might need replacing or affecting. And I, you know, if, if I was to turn around to my boiler maintenance person and say, uh, I don't worry about that because nothing's gone wrong with it yet. Yeah. I'm fairly sure he'd kind of be going, but yeah, Greg, it might though. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's getting to that point where it might start to go south a little bit. Um, but if you can't see it and you can't experience the, those consequences of it, then it, you know, that there is that bit of ignorance is bliss type mindset, isn't it? So it's always really yeah, hard yeah. To, to kind of bring that around. Yeah. In fact, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, oh, sometimes I wish I didn't know so much, you oh. know? one of the most recent podcasts i think i mentioned that i used to love one of my best pastimes used to be kind of going down the local park sitting on a bench like a, a probably a little bit of a weirdo people probably would have thought watching me with a coffee and just watching the dogs and watching the people and rewind 10 15 years ago i used to do that with this beautiful innocent bliss and and now i'm there and i'm like oh <gasps> Oh, look at the! Yeah, I thought, yeah. And, and, and it's it's kind of, it's taken the magic away from me. It sadly. really has. But, yeah. it's, uh, but it's brilliant though because you know, like I think, like a lot of education, that's that's kind of where it's rooted, isn't it? You've really got to kind of take off those rosy glasses sometimes and really look at things quite objectively and quite analytically to to really see what's happening. And I, and I again, I can only imagine because I, I don't have kids, so I always feel slightly. Um, hypocritical commenting on it because I've not experienced it so I can only imagine it but I've, I dare say I've seen enough I've got enough friends and family with kids and that kind of thing to understand that like it's just it must be ridiculously hard and you're always striving for you know the best and the happy and the fun and the good stuff and when you see things that appear to be fun and cute and nice and it, with those rose tinted glasses on I imagine it can feel like a bit of a slap sometimes if somebody comes in and goes, actually, that thing you think is really cute is actually a little bit worrying or could be a little bit kind of counterproductive to the relationship that you're trying to build in the family. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine how difficult it is kind of going into those conversations at times. It it can be, yeah, well, it, it can be a bit of a delicate subject, but that's why I like to present something that they can do rather than say, oh, that's it, they can't do that anymore, bye. <laughs> so, <laughs> see you later. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I say, oh, why don't we do this thing instead? So the relationship can still be going, um, but um, just in a different, you know, approach differently. And I know that you don't have children, but you know what, you live in a world with children, and children are everywhere. Um, even when you go to a restaurant and you're sitting at the table next to the family with like three kids and, you know, you're having your lovely meal with your wife, nice and calm, date night, and there it is, ruined. <laughs> don't get me started on date night. I don't do date night. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but so you see, you are, you are and you're still sitting there and most of, most of the time, anyway, even parents don't know what they're doing. So you might as well be sitting at the table with them and go, don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what they're screaming. I don't know. They're not mine. They just show up. They keep following me everywhere. <laughs> but jokes aside, because, you know, um, because obviously uh, kids are on dogs and having my own child and seeing, um, seeing children anyway in general um, acting differently, even at the same age with the same kind of background, same schools and all that, 
they act differently and some parents go oh that, that kid or oh, that I don't want that kid in my house because he's so rude or whatever you do get comments like that and you always think oh my god I hope they never say that about my child but there is to wonder why are some kids the way they are you know just like why are dogs the way they are and and they have so many emotions and their brain is still developing just like with dogs when dogs hit the the you know the uh, adolescence and we know they're a little bit more challenging um it the same things is with kids they hit certain times of life where things are <laughs> things need to be a bit more zen you know? um and it's just part of developing their brain is developing their their body's developing they need to understand the world around them so that's why we as pet parents and as human parents are there to guide them and to show them look this is what life is like or this is why we do the things that we do and things like that um even separation anxiety for example known in dogs in humans as well there is the attachment issues my daughter has attachment issues and uh, as a joke with other parents, I always say it's because I'm this awesome. How oh, can you part from this? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> so, um, and we, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping her. I'm helping her to overcome this part of her life that is not an, a, an easy part. Um, and I'm trying to understand her as an individual. Why? Why are you so upset? Why are you so worried? Why do you... Do you worry that something's going to happen to me when I'm not home? All those things, or when I'm not with her, all those things, and we are using different methods to help her to, to feel more secure. And at the end of the day, we do that when we work with dogs as well. So are they really that different? You know, it's a different development, different stages of life. Are they really that different? I, don't know. <laughs> I, I love it, because I think that's what's really fascinating. And... I, I'm very blessed to be in the generation that I'm in because obviously, you know, I've had people in my life who are probably what we'd, I'd consider like, you know, old school where things were quite black and white and it was very just like in a deep end, stiff up a lick, kind of suck it up and move on type of stuff. But obviously our, our science, our research is, has gone on so much across, like you say, across humans and dogs so mm-hmm. much where we understand so much more now. We understand that, different engagement styles and all these things can be incredibly beneficial to like you say all the different personalities whether that be dog or human so that for me is amazing and and I think it's very easy to beat yourself up over it as well because it, it is relatively new you know this has only really been in a generation or two where we've really started to understand learning styles and brain mm-hmm. development and and things to and, and only the methods that we're applying whether it is human or dog is still probably but like oh, it's still almost in its infancy yes it might be 20 30 years but in the grand scheme of of life and science that is still relatively young and I think yeah, yeah. it's very easy to beat yourself up over trying to do it right trying to do it perfectly and as you've said nine times out of ten actually just seeking some help and guidance and mm-hmm. education yourself so you can then obviously kind of guide and manage those situations as best as possible and yeah. I think I think pride I think can take over pretty quick and a lot of people Gosh, will yeah, really yeah, struggle yeah. to to reach out for that support despite the fact that they might actually need it yeah and also there is also almost a sense of guilt sometimes isn't it and you well especially as a parent I think you can get about anything but um 
there is that oh gosh is my child I or or is my doggy um I am supposed to know what to do. Why can't I make them happy? Oh my gosh, how terrible about. And there is that, you know, that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of pressure, and isn't it? To... Terrible guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, by what you were saying before as well, the uh, the difference on how, you know, you and me were probably raised. <laughs> I, I do believe you're a similar age. or probably a little bit older than I'm you. Well, I'm well older. That. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going there. But you know, my my parents were very much old fashioned. My father is Italian as well, so they had a complete different, you know, um, mentality on how to raise kids. And uh, and it's fine. You know, I'm not um, I'm not accusing him or anything. No, no, no. That's how he taught. It was right to do. And as you say, it was well. However, you fell over, you'll be right. You know, you, yeah. this happened to you. You'll be fine. Um, oh, just. Put on the back. Oh, there you go. Get up again. Or even like going to school and you know the fight with your friends and things like this. The, all those things that I I realize now how can really impact a child. Um, before we're like, oh, you'll be fine, and off you went. Or or children who are autistic. Now we are very much aware of autism. Back then, when I was little, you were just being naughty. Yeah, that yeah. was, you know, that was that. Um, especially in Switzerland, there was, you know, it wasn't such a thing. Yeah, and in fact, yeah. in fact, growing up, when then autism started to to be more understood, being autistic was almost like having to, you know, being a, a weird, weird person or someone you shouldn't be playing with. That kid is autistic, and I'm like, oh, that is terrible. That is really terrible. But now, luckily, we know more. We uh, we understand more about autism. We understand that it's not about being, I don't know, it's not about throwing a tantrum just because. It is literally part of how they see the world and how they they can um, cope with it all. So yeah. we and know that, so much more. And it we, is. We're, and still, we're still young in the noise. We, yeah, we absolutely are. But it amazes it, it how quick you go on. And we'll probably dive mm-hmm. on a tangent, but it, I really, it's a subject I, I'm passionate about because it's like you look at some of the really big organizations in the world, particularly some of the te- uh, technology companies, mm-hmm. and they actively recruit people with um, autism or, or various other different kind of um, cognitive abilities because mm-hmm. how they see the world, how they process information, how they look at situations is just so different and it's not actually as you say it's not a negative it's not a bad thing no no exactly and in many ways it can be even better than how i hate the word but you know quote unquote normal people would do it and it's like and that's and that's again that mindset and using words like that is just it is old and it's archaic and it's it's the wrong words because we're all people we're all dogs and that's in you know dogs are all dogs and that spectrum of personality and how different personalities interact either mm. cross species or interspecies is it is incredibly complex it is ridiculously um yet yeah, it's, it's and, and like i said no none of us know we, we're all trying our best we all want to do our best yeah and, you know uh, we knew what we knew basically and so did our parents and uh although now looking back i'd be like i would never do <laughs> so the things that they did they didn't know they were raised yeah like that themselves and so they thought that's how carry on the tradition and i think that kind of loops us right back to what you said at the start there debbie is you kind of you don't know what you don't know so we're all we're all just working on um i'd love to we've we've kind of talked a little bit about those kind of 
dog-child interactions where they're usually quite friendly and probably a little bit over-familiar. But what about the other side of the spectrum? What about those those kids who who are fearful of dogs and, and maybe not have had a lot of exposure to them or have had bad experiences? How does uh, how does CADS kind of work in that spectrum? So as I mentioned before, uh, I've uh, designed a protocol uh, that is in, is proving uh, to be very successful to help children with scared of dogs. Um, the idea again was born from when uh, my daughter started bringing friends over, and I realized that it were a lot of children that were scared of dogs. So it wasn't just the one, but there were quite a few. Even at the school gates, they, they'd see dogs and they, you know, they literally uh, physically avoided <laughs> quite a lot uh, um, the, to avoid the dog. They would walk like, you know, across the road, not to see the dog, you know, all sorts of things uh, like this. And I told my gosh, it is so much more, there are so much more children who scared of dogs than I ever thought. And maybe because I was never that kid. You know? <laughs> I, was the, I was the kid that goes, I want 3,000 dogs today. My wife <laughs> jokes that I'm still that kid. We can't go anywhere yes. in public. If I see a dog, I'm like, oh, look at the dog. And the wife's like, move on, keep walking. <laughs> you know, someone invites you over, you go, oh, I'm going to go to that person. I was, oh, there's a dog. Hey. So, yeah, so probably I didn't realize that so many kids were still dogs because I didn't have that fear. And obviously, neither did my daughter. You know, she was born and there was already a dog there. So, to her, dogs are just part of the family. It's just normal for her to to have them around, but not to other humans. And so, um, again, I tried to look around, to look around, and I did speak to a few therapists um, in the UK who are working with children uh, to overcome their fear. And although that works, and I'm absolutely not dissing any of the professions out there, the thing I couldn't find was something where the children were not just getting used to dogs, but were getting an education about dogs as well. So um, how the protocol works is that the kids are actually learning from uh, the CAD approved professionals that, that um, are trained to use the protocol directly from me. Um, so the kids are actually learning online about dogs and they do some tasks and some games and so on before they even meet a dog. Um, and the whole process is 10 weeks, so 10 sessions rather. I always say 10 weeks because we tend to do weekly yeah, yeah. sessions, um, but it's 10 uh, sessions long. Um, and by the end of it, it obviously depends what the family wants to achieve as such. But um, the children have, are known not to bother about dogs. So they don't run away. Some have uh, welcomed dogs into their house, which is brilliant. Oh, wow. um, uh, over Christmas, I got a message from uh, another lady who were fostering a dog. And before, the little girl could not be anywhere near dogs. Um, a few other other clients have adopted a dog, and it's brilliant. Um, uh, there was also a post from one of our Kadapru uh, trainer, Matt Hemus, uh, that um, just last week was uh, showing how uh, one of his little clients, a little girl, overcome her fear, and how she can walk around dogs perfectly fine, and she can go to school, you know, and even petted dogs. So. What you know? What an achievement! What, yeah, uh, what a change! Um, and so, yes. Yeah, so that's how uh, that's why it came about, and that's why um, I've 
that's how it works effectively. And the change is that we are not only working to make sure that the, the, the child is not scared anymore, but we're also making sure that the dogs that are used are happy, are comfortable. And by the end of the session, both children and the parents uh, present will will have learned about dogs as well. So, so yeah, I'm happy. I'm very happy about yeah, it. So you should be. It's fantastic work. Am I right in saying that uh, one of your dogs helps you do this as well? Yes. Yes. So we named my golden retriever. She's four years old, four and a half years old. And, uh, um, well, she's wonderful, obviously. <laughs> oh, <laughs> obviously. obviously. <laughs> uh, but yes, she uh, was, or still is, uh, the dog that helped me um, when I do meet the children and in real life. Um, so she comes with me and she's the dog that helps kids to overcome their fear of dogs uh, when they work directly with me. And yes. then for every professional, they, they would either use their own dogs or uh, a third party dog. Uh, but when they work directly with me, yes, it's Winnie. And she's also been in the papers because she's so good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she's a bit of my pride and joy. <laughs> and then she's actually been nominated. She's finalist for the Animal Star Awards. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, for the job of helping uh, kids overcome their field dogs. So, oh, brilliant. Very proud of her. <laughs> And, and you, you you kind of mentioned it there, but you you have absolutely had some brilliant press coverage, and you've been in some, yeah. uh, you know, quite big articles. You've been on various things. Do you want do you want to tell us a little bit about that? What kind of things? Oh, you've yeah. So Winnie was on the sun for her uh, for her uh, helping the children uh, to overcome her dogs. So it was lovely photos of her and Molly in the background because she's like, can I sneak in? All right, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Um, and yes, the, the uh, Echo, obviously, locally, I live in Dorset, so locally, uh, that's probably more than other things have been on the, uh, on, sadly, a bit, because it was last year, there was an accident in, around Birmingham of a dog um, attacking a child. And so we had, uh, I had an interview with the local um, television, and it, it was indeed, there was a situation where, unfortunately, the accident had happened, and um, perhaps had the, had the family been in contact with a professional before and recognizing the signals, you know, hopefully that would not have happened. Um, so yes, in a few in a few um, uh, newspapers and and uh, TV, radio, and stuff like this. So fabulous. Yes. But as we mentioned before, it's that awareness, isn't it? And it's about that education. And that's where, for me, you know, media, press, things like that can be really good. Because like you say, the the joys of doing this podcast is I've spoken to many professionals across a lot of different spectrums that, honestly, I didn't even knew existed. And that's kind of part and parcel of it, isn't it? It's about sharing. It's about understanding what options are available. Because whether you, like you say, you just want to try and get things right from the start or whether you just want to fine tune something or whether you hopefully not but whether you do have a you know a, a challenge whether it's like say your your child being fearful of dogs or whether you've got a, a a child dog household already and you just kind of want to almost risk assess it and ensure that you're doing it right mm-hmm. without understanding that organizations like cadder around and that there's a, a lot of approved kind of trainers and, and professionals in that world you you can just get lost and then you go on you know the good mm-hmm. old Google and YouTube routes and various things like that, which obviously can have some incredibly mixed results. So understanding that there is some, you know, some proper organizations out there with strong ethics and everything else and is is really, really important and all part of that sharing the message. 
and also something we haven't even talked about, but there are a lot of school dogs now, um, especially especially uh, in these almost post-COVID kind of thing, not really, but um, lots and lots of school dogs. And that is also why um, educating teachers can be really important. And uh, also with um, a dog behaviorist, Claire Lash, um, uh, we are writing a new course dedicated on school dogs. Um, so that'll be ready hopefully soon, definitely this year. <laughs> hopefully soon we're, we're working to make sure that is the perfect course there. Um, so, but that's again, another category, another part of uh, kids around dogs that is essential really. Definitely. And, and I think, and I'm just looking at your website as, as, mm-hmm. as we're talking there, because again, and I know we have touched on it, but like you say, it's those other professions that can become part of, a, you know, a kind of credited person that yeah. like, you wouldn't naturally think of. Like you said, you know, dog trainers, dog behaviorists make sense. Dog mm-hmm. groomers, vets, vet nurses, teachers, teaching assistants, play therapists, social workers, rescue shelters. Like you said, you just forget how many walks of life yeah, have yeah. that daily interaction, either with dogs or kids, or okay. potentially even a crossover them both. And I think that's one of the absolutely love about CAD is that it's, dare I say, we could be quite guilty in the dog training world as just looking after dog trainers. Um, mm. So it's lovely to see an organization that's actually understanding the two dynamics and reaching out across lots of different professions, regardless yeah. of whether working with the dog is, is part of that profession or not. Yeah, indeed. And to be fair, we did start off when we when I first um, opened up CAD, we did start off with just the dog professionals, because as you say, you know, you think, oh, this is what we do. You know, we work with dogs. Um, but then as we, you know, as I was moving forward, I, I did get quite a few messages from teachers. Um, and actually some of our CAD pro- uh, professionals at the beginning were teachers and dog trainers. So they had like two jobs. Um, and that's when it kind of hit me go, oh, actually, we need teachers, we need um, uh, children care professionals to know. Um, and that's why then I opened it up to more, uh, more professionals as such. Yeah, no. And to, to schools and rescue centers as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I can imagine that'll just grow because already my mind's whizzing around all the other types of people that you, you could uh, you could do there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's fascinating to see. So I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover here, Debbie. I'm not sure whether there's anything okay. missed. I'm going to throw it over to you. Is there anything about CAD that we've not discussed? Is there anything that we've missed? I, I, just as I've said that, I have just spotted something that I will ask about, but I will hand it over to you first. Is there anything? Um, well, since you talked about the applications, we are uh, accepting new members. So if anyone would like to apply, uh, you can go on the website, kidsaroundogs.co.uk. And on the menu bar, there is one that says how to apply. And you click there and there is also a form to download. And you can have a little look at the information there. Uh, or you can also email me at kidsaroundogs at gmail.com. And I'll uh, reply. <laughs> Fantastic. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm on your website here. So obviously you've got a directory there so people can actually find local trainers yeah. or local professionals mm-hmm. uh, close to them, which is brilliant. But the other thing I've just noticed is you've got a lovely resources section. Yes. Got loads of cool free stuff for people to, uh, yeah. to go look at and download. And so, yes, I will put these links in the, in the show notes. But ah, thank you. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Little bit. That is that's fun. absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no. It's again, like I say, it's 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 that, but it's it's a dynamic that I must admit, professionally, I have. It's it's a smaller percentage of the type of work I do, so it's not something I'm I'm hugely hugely clued upon. Um, mm-hmm. but it it is, yeah. It's just fascinating. I'm, my mind's buzzing with all the different scenarios now. You think it could be brilliant, like even like say just in that education sense. So you know, supporting organizations supporting schools yeah. local councils things like that it's yeah. there's so many opportunities there to help change and shift that education and make it more wider and make it more awareness like yeah. I, I go back to when I was a kid and there was like green cross code adverts and stuff on the tv and right. it's almost <laughs> like a dog version of that that we, we don't yeah. have yeah. and therefore we have that thing where you just get either society or parents kind of passing the information that they've got, whether it be right, wrong or indifferent. And it's, it's hard sometimes just to give that well-rounded guidance across kind of multiple people and multiple demographics, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, which is lovely. I've just thought of another question. I'm going to have to ask you, Debbie. Um, (laughs) Do you see a lot where the, the apprehension or the phobia or the worry from the parents is perpetuated into the child? Or do you see it more as it's just the child's own development and their own feelings about the situation? So funny enough, when, uh, um, when speaking to the parents and uh, um, most of the time is mum that calls. <laughs> to be fair. Um, so mum, on the phone with mum, we do discuss, you know, what do you think happened? And so obviously the topic goes there. And uh, uh, a lot of the time, parents are like, oh, I don't know. One day, my child woke up and they decided it was scared of dogs. It doesn't work like that. They just You don't wake up one day, that's it, I'm scared of dog from now on, that's who I am. <laughs> it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Normally, uh, either uh, something has happened, and if, you know, if there had been an accident, parents would have known. Yeah. That, that would be more obvious. But if the parents don't know, very often, either is someone in the family, and although I love grandmas very dearly, very often is grandma that goes, oh, I got bitten once. <laughs> so, and even that comment that I got bitten once, so be careful around dogs, even that little sentence can have a strong impact on some children. To some, literally washes over them, and they go, oh, whatever, grandma got eaten, <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but uh, to some children, it suddenly stays with them and they build on it. And um, and then the fear builds over time, especially if they keep getting that sentence repeated. I got bitten once, be careful around dogs, the dogs bite and da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, over time, that builds into a fear. And yes, sometimes having also a member of the family, could be mum or, uh, I don't know, dad or a cousin or someone that they, often for instance seeing them um being scared of dogs can be contagious especially if they look up to that person and often little children look up to their parents so if mom is scared of dogs even if she doesn't say i'm scared of dogs but she avoids them you know (laughs) things like this so the dog comes around and she goes i'm not touching that so (laughs) even if she doesn't have to say it to to respond in a certain way and children do look up to us, uh, and you know, then they'll go, oh, then I should act the same way. I should feel the same way. They might not know really why, um, but mom does it, yeah. so I should do it too. Or grandma said, so I should, you know, yeah. yeah. Just as they learn from each other, though. So if you're educating one child to say, be a statue, for example. So if a dog comes over, 
You stand up, cross your arms uh, on your, over your chest, head down, so the dog, you have no eye contact with the dog, your arms and hands are nowhere near the dogs for him to get a bit excited, and you just stand still until the dog thinks you're boring and moves away. So when we teach that uh, in schools and to children in general, um, very often what happens is the child learns to be a statue, so not to move, and then they teach it to their friends. And so then their friends learn, oh, that's what I do. And then they teach it to their friend. So it becomes, you know, it becomes a learned behavior that can be easily taught from one child to the next. And it's brilliant. Right. A, a, a job be a statue is one of the free resources on, on your yes, website, it which is, is lovely. Yes. So, uh, it's yeah, a lovely photo of my daughter and my dog. Now. <laughs> which is brilliant. No, thank, you, thank you so much for that, Debbie. I just popped uh, it in my head you. there and I was like, yeah, because... It felt logical that it might happen, but it's again experiencing it, and obviously with what you do, I'm sure you've you've got a lot of references for that. So that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, so Debbie, just just one last time, kind of where can people find more about kids around dogs? Where can they find out more about you? Kind of plug away. What where, where are those resources available? So on the website is so kidsaroundogs.co.uk. Uh, there are some free resources there, as you mentioned. And if you are looking for your local uh, proof professional, we are in the UK, Canada, US, and Ireland. Um, and we're hoping to take over the world. <laughs> but if you're finding, if you're looking for your uh, local professional on the website, kidsaroundogs.co.uk, you, uh, you can find them there. Uh, you can also email me directly on kidsaroundogs at gmail.com. And we are on every social platform. We are on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, although TikTok is a bit miserable because I don't dance very well. And uh, uh, oh, Twitter, YouTube as well. We have a YouTube channel. So join on every single platform out there. Fabulous. I will get all those links off you, Debbie. We'll we'll pop them in the show notes. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Uh, Debbie, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, more thank you so much for having me. Definitely educated me. So hopefully the listeners uh, are all now hammering your website and uh, <laughs> and looking for their for their nearest CAD approved uh, professional to, to help them with their with their children. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Debbie. I hope to speak to you again very soon. And thank you so much for joining me on the Wolfing Possum podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been great. You're a great host. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the Woofin Possum podcast. As always, if you do want to get in touch, you can find us on social media. I'm at Great Pause NE, which is Great Pause NE for Northeast, on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also contact me via my website, which is greatpause.co.uk. And you can also consume some free online courses at greatpausegang.co.uk. Excellent. Thank you very much, folks, and we will see you soon for our next episode.